0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Second Act Actors. I'm your host, Dr. Janet McMorty, and I was and still am a medical doctor simultaneously trying to pursue a career in acting. My guest this week is Tony Koch. Tony was a banker, turned actor. He's also a musician, specifically reggae musician. He has a fantastic story to tell about his journey from banking into where he is now pursuing music and acting. I love what he has to say all about creativity and how, you know, we as humans have a short time on this planet, and we got to be doing stuff that fuels our fire Brings creativity to the world and brings joy. Please enjoy the lovely and incredible Tony Koch. And I like the blue screen behind you. All
1: right, well, thank you. <laughs> thank you. I was really kind of thinking, oh, I'm going to do a really good job here and be all ready for this and show off my tech chops, which I have been exposed rather quickly in this uh, in this little discussion. <laughs> yeah.
0: But also, I think over the last yeah. couple of years, right, like the tech stuff we've had to learn.
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: It's not It's absolutely, absolutely. insane. Yeah.
1: Huh? Mm-hmm.
0: So tell me your story. How did well, you get into this acting business?
1: Uh, wow. I mean, when I was a kid in school, I uh, did uh, study theater arts in uh, in high school, as, as uh, memory serves. It was a long time ago. Uh, but um, you know, I, I've i been emceeing events and doing uh, all, all kinds of different things over the years, community-based things, uh, things for uh uh, boards that you know i, I was a member on and and so forth and uh, anyway i, I let's I'll start from the top i studied music and uh at uh, U of T in the early early 80s late 70s and uh and uh, i put myself through school by working part-time in banking and uh basically i had uh started on the road in the mid 80s and uh, realized that that I wasn't going to be able to support uh, a family on uh, on what I was making as a road warrior and uh, so I ended up going back into banking i, I guess the decision was aided as well by uh, my girlfriend at the time de- developing a, a curious abdominal swelling and a uh, curious abdominal swelling is now an adult and um yeah, so uh, I ended up going into banking and uh, supporting my family and being a good boy and working uh, in music part-time on the weekends and at night and uh, doing the odd bit of, um, you know, a little bit of comedy here and there and, and uh, a little bit of hosting of events and so forth. Uh, a client of mine, uh, a casting director, said to me one day, you know, I really have to get you into this acting thing. Fast forward, I retired at, at uh, 50 from banking. I gave her a call one day and said, you know, I'm going to take you up on this acting business. And She said, good, you have an audition tomorrow morning. And uh, I went there and, you know, with, uh, with very little backup, I, had, uh, I got the gig. So I, um, I played in I guess it was in 2013 in a, in a, a series called Untouchable. Power corrupts, and uh, anyway, it was uh, my first exposure to, to uh, you know, television. I guess. So uh, anyway, I've been uh, working at it ever since, and uh, it's been a lot of fun.
0: That's awesome were you were you a bit of a creative I know you went obviously in music at U of T were you creative growing up was there kind of like an an acting performative kind of bug when you were a kid
1: well I haven't really grown up yet but I can tell you that uh, yes I, I definitely had that bug it was the oh look at me look at me I'm different I'm Interesting and blah, blah, blah. But uh, yeah, it it was a whole lot of fun. And uh, it's helped me get over my shyness over the years.
0: (laughs) What made you go into banking?
1: Uh, Money.
0: (laughs) Fair enough.
1: (laughs) Uh, An absolute need for money to support my family. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I, I don't know how else to put it.
0: Yeah. I think it's a very logical approach. Absolutely.
1: Well, you're the doctor. <laughs>
0: yeah, right? Right? That I feel you, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and I, it's funny I was chatting with somebody earlier about the, you know, Gen X, millennial kind of were that last breed of people who, you know, kind of saw our parents going through very logical jobs that they kind of hated and kind of thought, Oh, I guess we have to do that too. You know, work the nine to five, make all the money as fast as you can. Then maybe you can think about the things that actually you love to do.
1: (laughs) Right. Right. There's a bit of a, there's a bit of a divide um, between uh, a generation and mine. I, I, you know, again, I, I did it. I did it willingly. Um, I can tell you that, you know, as we were, approaching the 30-year mark in banking, I was starting to retire of it. And uh, when I was able to retire early from that, I I was just more than delighted to do it.
0: (laughs) Was there anything that you've noticed you've brought from your banking career into now your acting career?
1: Yeah, I I suppose, yes. Um, the, The nature of my job was that it was such that I was, you know, often addressing large groups of people. And, uh, so I became comfortable in that and developed that my own delivery style. And, uh, I think it's, you know, it's, it's, it's helped me in terms of, uh, you know, uh, just being comfortable, especially in live situations where mm. you're on stage and you're doing things. Um, and, and, Maybe technical things start going wrong or something like that you you kind of well buckle up kids we're driving off the cliff, <laughs> and um you know you you just learn how to handle these things a little more um I don't know if I'll say graciously or gracefully, I mean uh, uh, confidently, I suppose
0: mm. when you made the switch, like I know was there um actual was there actual switch, I should say that said I'm done with banking. I want to do acting or was it, I'm now retired from banking. Now I have, now I want to do this acting thing or was there kind of a personality change or anything like that? I think
1: it was, I think it was gradual. um, It it took place over about eight months. And, um, I, I realized that, you know, I mean, I, I thought I'd consult for a while and I did, I consulted and, uh, didn't enjoy that either. <laughs> Strangely enough, I felt happiest when I was playing music or when I was, uh, you know, doing you know, some live theater type things. And, and I thought, well, and I talked to my wife about this. and she, Well, why don't we just do that? And, uh, I mean, just remarkably elegant in its simplicity. Let's just do that instead. Okay. So it worked out well. And um, you know, I, I I enjoy it quite a bit. I mean, I certainly don't make the same kind of money that I used to make, but uh, am I you know happier? Absolutely, absolutely. Mm-hmm.
0: It's interesting. I think you know when I talk to a lot of people who've had careers before they've moved into acting, a lot of people, and I'm of the same brain is this with a very kind of my logical sciencey brain saying, if I get to a certain level in this career, and usually it's monetary, right, then I will be comfortable enough to say, put you aside, I can now do the passion projects and the stuff that I love. And, you know, just again, thinking about your career in banking before and saying, I'm in this for the money, I know that sounds kind of harsh, but like, that's why I do it, but it's true. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. It is. We kind of have to be a starving artist is not a good way to live because that right. So like, do you think for you, was that kind of a similar mindset? Like, okay, now I feel comfortable enough to pursue this passion project.
1: I, I think that, yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. Uh, that that did enter into my, into my decision-making process. There's no question. Again, you know, uh, my kids were grown. Uh, I paid off things, the things that we're supposed to pay off. And uh, i put a little bit of money away and stuff. And I just thought, you know, how how long are we going to be around? How long, you know, uh, tomorrow is not guaranteed. You want to make sure that you're doing things that, that resonate, you know, with you. Mm-hmm. I think it in, you know, in the second stage.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, and I'm grateful very much so that um, I have the ability or the the freedom and the opportunity to do that. Mm -hmm.
0: Has there been anything that surprised you coming kind of back into a creative, into a creative industry, into the entertainment industry?
1: I don't know if I would say surprise more than a a bit of a culture shock. Um, I, I was the uh, chairman of, uh, the chair of uh, uh, an economic development corporation for the area. I, I served on the board of uh, St. Joseph's Health Center for nine years. And I was always kind of the boss. And uh, I'm not the boss anymore. And oftentimes I have somebody who's quite a few summers younger than I, you know, saying, Tony, this is what I need from you. Mm. Can you give that to me, please? And I'm thinking, yeah, I, I can do that. I can do that. As a matter of fact, I'm. I like not being in charge of everything now. <laughs> I'm not in charge of anything. All I all I want to do is deliver a good performance, um, something that resonates, something that's credible, and uh, something that uh, that augments the story. Mm. And. Um, and I like being able to sharpen my focus on that. It's quite a luxury, actually.
0: Hmm. Did, you, did you train in acting at all when you were in doing your music degree? Or, or has that now just kind of started?
1: Um, I, I guess I had done some training. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't realize, I, I wasn't really all that serious about it and uh, I became serious about it 40 years later. Well, no, <laughs> 35 years later, let's just say. Um, it. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, uh, I still do a lot of workshops now. I, 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 yeah, I just finished a, a great program with Mark Byron Dallas on uh, accents, uh, actors, accent Academy. I, I'm plugging you, Mark. Um, <laughs> And uh, it really, uh, really was quite enjoyable. And what it does is essentially it gives you the tools to go out and research the accent and you know, give you an idea of what to be looking for and then uh, how to employ it into, uh, into a role. It's interesting because when you're working with accents, oftentimes you're so focused on the, on the accent itself that your acting isn't so good. Mm. <laughs> and uh, and uh, I learned that the hard way now. Uh, our agent, uh, uh, Terry Ritter, she had uh, received a self-tape from me and I was supposed to be playing a Kiwi air traffic controller. She said, the accent's terrible, but the acting is awful. And ah! Kind of, oh, okay. All right. Well, thank you for that. I appreciate the candor. We're going to regret you for this one all right. (laughs) Okay. So there you go.
0: Well, I find honestly the, if there, well, yeah, if there's too much involved in a character, especially at a self tape level, it is so overwhelming. And I was, that made me think of, I had, and by the time this airs, this movie is probably already will have been made. So it doesn't matter. This character that was, so usually I get like mom roles. Fine, easy peasy. That's my bread and butter, Mom. Forty, Mom. Forty, but I got one. It was witch, who's also blind, who speaks French. So I had to do like French and English, and like like Quebecois French. So I had to have a French, speak my Quebecois French, do my Quebecois accent when I'm speaking in English be a witch and then be blind <laughs> I know and it was such a physical like motion capture role I was like "I, I th- okay <laughs> <I'll just laughs> my it's like you were saying it's overwhelming it's part of the fun yeah. to build this but yeah it's a lot
1: <laughs> <laughs> I uh I, I enjoy that and it just uh, reminded me you now I I did the um, That PetSmart uh, commercial not too long ago, I guess Mm -hmm. it was just last year, and I was the fellow singing to the parrot, and um, the parrot, of course, had its own agenda uh, during the shoot, and uh, of course, I'm holding the parrot on my right hand, and I've got to keep it up at a certain level in order for it to be happy and not want to climb up my up on my shoulder and maybe sit on my head. Uh, so anyway, uh, that, that's fine. We're, I, I'm singing the line, and all it is is, for you mean everything to me. That's all it is. One line. Now, first started out, the parrot refused to look at me. All right, so the parrot's got its back turned, and I, I take after take after take after take. Then the parrot decided that they would start to dance. Now, the handler of the parrot did not trim the claws of the said parrot. And so the parrot, of course, started to draw blood on my hand. And uh, so that was a little extra delay there. And then uh, the parrot decided to sing happy birthday and jingle bells every time I sang my line. So uh, finally, you know, after I don't know how many takes, the parrot looked at me lovingly longingly into my eyes and we got it in the can finally at long last whereupon the parrot bit my thumb and crapped all over me and and i thought and, and you can't really see that on the finished product of course it's anything editing.
0: anything for the craft anything for the craft <laughs> you no know? That's anything amazing. for
1: that anything for the buyout no
0: <laughs> oh my god
1: yeah
0: I just want to ask you do you are do you still have you are you're still um performing doing music right like you're yeah clearly yes. obviously in this commercial but other than that yes. still pursuing music
1: yes yeah. um I, it's I don't think it's uh well it never really was particularly economically viable um But uh, it's more difficult now because uh, just the state of intellectual property with um, Mm. the advent of all of the technology that we have, uh, you know, recording doesn't make you any money anymore. Um, So it's now live performance that, you know, is ostensibly uh, to... You know, to help you to make ends meet. Uh, the unfortunate part is, is that uh, there's a battle for the basement going on to play in venues because there are fewer and fewer venues, and uh, more musicians looking to play in them. So mm. the, the, the consequence, uh, consequently, the the uh, the pay will start to drop down, and mm. people will be willing to play for less and less. So it's not so much that anymore. I'm, you know, doing it for the original purpose for love. And, um, and uh, so that—that's pretty much where that is right now. Um, still looking for you know various projects. I'm still looking to get back to Jamaica. I—I—I um, I, I, I play a lot in Jamaica when there's no global pandemic, and uh, I play down there under the name Young Tony. And uh, but we uh, to simplify, uh, we just use the initials. So I play in Jamaica under the name YT.
0: Cool. I didn't know that. That's so neat. Where I'm, do you play?
1: I'm All over. Uh, well, mostly in the, in the West part of uh, Jamaica in Westmoreland in the specifically. And I, I play in a number of different places there and, and uh, host a, a couple of events.
0: That's uh, so cool.
1: I help out with blues on the beach and a couple of other events down there.
0: Neat.
1: And, uh, work a lot with uh, the folks from uh, Studio One who, who recorded all the great things that came out of Jamaica from the 60s to the early 90s, I guess. Wow. And uh, so I'm you know, very grateful to do that stuff. And I take up old uh, American soul and flip it 90 degrees to reggae. So if you oh. take a look at my YouTube site, you'll uh, uh, see some, some interesting things like that with none of this pesky rehearsal business (laughs) live off the floor.
0: Neat. How in the world did you get into reggae music?
1: Um, Yeah. Years ago in in the eighties, I met a group of men who came from Jamaica in the first or second wave of, of migration to Canada. And these folks were reggae musicians and they took this skinny long-haired white kid under their wing for some reason unbeknownst <laughs> to me but I'm so happy they did um they were just so kind and generous to me and with their time and their skill and their energy and uh that, I guess that's how the uh, love affair with um, with reggae and Jamaica mm. began for me. It, it really is. Um, it, it really is a magical place for me.
0: Yeah. Neat.
1: And the people are magical too.
0: Yeah. Do you have any advice for anyone interested in kind of re-sparking that creative fire with now like great wiseness and maturity? Oh,
1: me. <laughs> oh, that's right. I I can see the gray here in the beard, right? Oh, so that Okay, I have got the wisdom now, right? Uh, I I believe that that one must pursue uh art. I think that art is it's rewarding in the pursuit of itself. It is um Creativity is just just one of the things that separates us from, I don't know, savages, Uh, the ability to create things, the ability to write things, the ability to, to tell stories, the ability to sing, the ability to play instruments. I think that, uh, I think that our lives are, are short enough the way they're constructed. And, uh, if, if we want to uh, make a mark or, or even just, just for selfish reasons, just do something that, um, that brings more joy, I think it's, it's creating. I really do. And uh, I'm grateful that I've been able to do it for so long. So the advice, in a nutshell, do it. It doesn't have to be great. It doesn't have to be good. What it has to do is provide you with an outlet to be creative. And surprisingly, eventually, you do often become good at it.
0: I love that. I think, again, that a lot of people, especially when they're trying to enter this later on, I know myself personally, come from it with a very perfectionism mindset, just because that's that's what got me my successful first career in the first place, right? was perfectionism. And to be able to, well, one try and like unlearn that those perfectionism tendencies and just let it go is terrifying, but also like it's just such a relief. Yeah. Because, oh, you're just gonna held up so much perfect needs to be perfect for so long <laughs> that you're like, oh, this is so nice. <laughs>
1: Exactly. And, and perfection is the enemy of good. And um, and it's funny because, you know, I've, I've done things that I thought, oh, man, and the director's happy with that. Gosh, I don't think that's very good at all. And then I see it, you know, a lot of the art is created in the editing suite anyway. <laughs> so, you know, I just... I, I realized that uh, and, and I've looked at it, you know, in later on and said, okay, well, that is good, actually. That, You know, I see what the director saw in that particular take. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I, per, perfection is definitely the uh, the enemy of good.
0: <laughs> yeah, I love that. And I think, again, we we see ourselves in a completely different way than what the rest of the world, especially the artistic world, sees us, right? And it's so... It's so refreshing when people are looking for that imperfection as it, you know, and I've talked to a couple of directors and casting directors, and they talk about how much they love like interesting faces and unique things about people. And I don't know what it is about us as actors, but we think we need to be exactly in the box that we're supposed to be in when everyone else in this industry is saying, "No, I like the weird and wacky stuff that makes you unique.
1: Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, as we, as we move along the continuum, I think that's something that we're learning. I know I'm learning. That. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I'm just starting to, uh, embrace the imperfection in in the craft.
0: Mm-hmm. Is there anything that you're looking forward to coming up this year?
1: <sighs> Absolutely. Um, I'm looking forward to, uh, opening my cabin up in Muskoka.
0: Ooh. Uh-huh.
1: And, um, and uh, getting out in the boat and swimming in in, in the lake and uh, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to um, doing some more uh, work. I'm, I'm uh, waiting for uh, uh, the release of a TV show that I just did and uh, another commercial and uh, just you know looking forward to uh, to seeing these things. I yeah, you know, I don't even watch TV that often actually. That's that's what I... You know, it's, it's rather, it's a dichotomy actually, but, uh, I, I don't really like watching television that much. And the funny thing is, is, you know, with that, with that, uh, pet smart commercial, it's just, it's on every 10 minutes. And my wife is watching it. And so she's singing along and making fun of, making fun of me at the same time and, uh, you know, talking about parrot poop and so forth. Uh, but anyway, I, I, uh, I'm looking forward to doing more art. I'm looking forward to uh, reading more scripts. Uh, I belong to a group of, um, of actors that uh, get brand new scripts on their feet. Mm. And so we do it in the zoom format and uh, it is really refreshing to, uh, to read some of these scripts. And uh, i I've, I've been fortunate enough to read some, you know, just fantastic stuff and stuff by, by, you know, well-known uh, writers, well-known Canadian writers as mm. well. So, uh, these are the things that, uh, that, that just, you know, make me happy and grateful to be uh, doing what I do. Yeah.
0: You mentioned your wife. How would she and other people in your life, how would they describe what you do for a living?
1: Well, uh, Deb is uh, my wife, yes, and director of photography. Um, <laughs> we, we're doing self-tapes.
0: Yep, I love it.
1: Especially during a pandemic, I can tell you that uh, our crew is pretty small. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, Deb, uh, Deb just says, hey, Tony's an actor. Tony's an actor and a musician. And uh, yeah, but it's been that way for quite a while. Uh, I was a banker and a musician for, for the longest time. But uh, as we already talked about that, you're able to get rid of that banking part.
0: <laughs> Do you have any final kind of words of wisdom? No pressure.
1: Um, hopefully, they're not my final words, Doctor. But they yeah. you, you know, you know something that I don't. Um, uh, I think that again, you know the the pandemic has really brought this brought this to light. For me, uh, it's important to, it's important to create. And I think that if someone watching this podcast feels a desire to create, I want to tell you, do it. Absolutely. You do it.
0: Thank you, everyone, for tuning in, and thank you, Tony, for being my guest this week. Everyone, check out the links below for links to Tony's music. Also, that hilarious pet store commercial with the parrot. It can be seen everywhere. I'll put a link below because it's delightful, (laughs) as was the story he told. Hilarious. I hope you'll tune in next week for another episode of Second Act Actors. Bye! Second Act Actors is produced and edited by me, Janet McMorty. Theme music by Guillaume. Additional sound editing by David Studio. Additional video editing by Jackie Wadoor. Show notes written by Sarah Hopkinson. I record using Riverside FM. If you're interested in developing an interview-based webcast like mine, I highly recommend this platform. Shoot me an email and I'll direct you to the wonderful folks there. If you or someone you know is interested in being a guest, email me at secondactactors at gmail.com. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share with your friends. My love language is words of affirmation, so compliments, constructive criticism, and feedback are always welcome and encouraged. Negative Nancy's, Judgy McJudgerson's, or Debbie Downer's, unless you're Rachel Dratch, regarding me or my guests, are not welcome. It takes serious courage to share your story with the world, so if you're tempted to negatively comment about someone else's story, please ask your therapist why you're such a garbage person. Save the drama for the stage. On that happy note, I hope you'll tune in next week for another episode of Second Act Actors. Bye!